While you're standing, I'll invite you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter number 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And I want to say how great it is to see several folks who haven't been here for a while. They're back from college. Uh, Lauren, Lauren, where are you at? I know, uh, Castile, there she is. I saw her up here worshiping. That's a way a college student should worship, by the way. So glad to have Lauren home. Madison is home from Urshan. So glad to have Madison here. I know that perhaps there's some other college students that are back and it's always uh, helped me sister Sarah your point is Emma I'm sorry Emma you're right in front of me my goodness so good to have Emma uh, it's so good to, to just be among the family of God amen so good to be among the family of God Jack it's good to see you my friend glad to have you back amen Proverbs chapter number four and I'm gonna ask you to do something that's a little bit different while I read the scriptures this morning I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for the majority of these scriptures and just imagine the setting. Sometimes when we use our senses in ways that we're not used to using our senses, we can come away from scripture with a little better understanding. So I want you to envision what is being said here in Proverbs chapter 4. So in just a moment, I'll have you close your eyes and then I will give you instruction on when we can look again. Would just close your eyes as I read from the, the word, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The day of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Would you open your eyes and just look up here? And they're going to put one more verse on the screen. It's the 23rd verse of Proverbs, the fourth chapter. And I feel it declarative in my spirit today as I read this from the Bible. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Would you read that out loud with me? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. I want to preach for just a few minutes on it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Would you say that with me? It's a heart issue. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for this great service that you brought us to today. Without a doubt, you are here, Lord, and your spirit is so real among us. And we've come to the time of preaching when you take your word that's forever settled in heaven and you with the skill of your sovereign spirit attempt to deposit it in our hearts. 
So, Lord, I right now personally open up my heart to your word. I pray that every man and woman, every child, every teenager, young adult, every person here, God, would be open to what your word is going to want to plant inside of us today. Let there be no distractions, Lord. Let there be no uh, activity later on or agenda this week or disappointment that would cloud out what you're wanting to say this morning. For that, we're going to thank you and give you praise. Help us today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everyone, would you say amen? amen? Before you're seated, I wish you'd shake hands with someone or fist bump them and ask them, how's your heart doing? <clears throat> you may be seated. If you have small children from birth to four years old, we have a class for them during the preaching. You can step out in the atrium and our staff will take good care of them while you're here in the sanctuary. Several years ago, I signed up for something called Keep the Beat. Have any of you ever heard of that? Keep the Beat. Uh, that wasn't like a veiled attempt at rap music. <laughs> Not at all. It was a preventative heart screening that is offered, was offered, and is still offered through the Arkansas Heart Hospital. You see, my grandmother <clears throat> had heart issues. My dad, who's here today, and I'm so thankful to have him in our church, had heart trouble many years ago and had bypass surgery. So I felt like it would be prudent to go get my heart checked out. And it was a non-invasive morning. They didn't cut on me or anything like that. It's all done through blood work and testing and things like that. And uh, I was in my 40s at the time, and someone may say, well, why? Why in your 40s would you go get a heart checkup? And the reason is, is because everything in the body is directly affected by the health of our heart. I could have my pinky finger get all squirrely and decided that it doesn't want to work anymore. And I could probably make it. It'd be a little bit difficult. Couldn't grab things like I normally would, but I could probably make it. I could get a pain on the side of my right knee. And I may limp a little bit when I see you, but I could probably make it. But if you take that fist-sized organ, between 7 and 15 ounces that in a lifetime will beat more than 3.5 billion times. And you let something happen to it, we've got problems. Our heart keeps blood flowing around our frame. Oxygen moving in and carbon dioxide moving out. Nutrients are sent to various organs of the body. And so it is no wonder that what is true in the natural is also very true in the spiritual. The care we give our heart affects everything when it comes to God. The care that we give our heart affects church attendance. It affects our view of God. 
It affects our relationships with others. It affects my giving. It affects my forgiving. It affects everything. Everything is affected by our heart. Look at someone right now and say, it's a heart issue. Come on, I want you to get a little preach in you right now. Look at someone and preach it to them. Say, it's a heart issue. I think I heard some of you say, it's a heart issue. Ha! Everything is affected by our heart. So Solomon communicated it well when he implored, keep your heart, guard your heart, watch over your heart. Can I say to every person that is breathing in this house today, guard your heart this morning. Hear me when I preach to this congregation. There is nothing more important than protecting and guarding and watching over this part of us that affects everything else. You see, the heart, according to Scripture, is a part of man's spiritual makeup. It is the place where emotions and desires begin. Everybody say, begin. It is that which drives our will toward action. You see, the heart of a man and the heart of a woman is described in the Bible primarily as a spiritual organ, if you will, that drives man's behavior. As our heart goes, we go. As our heart desires, so we desire. As our heart points, that's the direction that we go. Everybody say it again. It's a heart issue. But I've come, I believe, in the, in the Holy Ghost today to make sure we understand biblically that we cannot trust our heart. You say, well, my goodness, Pastor, did you just negate everything you were talking? No, no, I'm trying to give us a biblical prescription for this thing called our heart. We cannot trust our heart. Jeremiah said it like this in the 17th chapter, the 9th and the 10th verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. We better know this beyond the shadow of a doubt that you and I cannot lean in the direction simply of what our desires are or the direction that our heart is pointing. It's deceitful. It'll lead us down a path we were not made to take. And the Lord said, I am searching your heart. I've come on Sunday morning, Tim, to search your heart. To look at the direction of your heart. To see what's going on inside of your heart. You see, when I can't get along with someone, it's a heart issue. When I cannot forgive somebody, it's a heart issue. When I act out of feeling rather than being led by the Spirit, it's a heart issue. When I am arrogant and when I am selfish, it is a heart issue. Jesus taught of this slippery nature of our heart as he portrayed, as Mark talked in Mark 7, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, 
fornications and murders and thefts and covetousness and wickedness and deceit and lewdness and evil eye, blasphemy, pride and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. If you've ever read the headlines that scream at us negativity, of crimes perpetrated against societies and children and all sorts of debaucherous living. You want to know where that comes from? That doesn't come from just a bad person. It comes from a wrong heart. It comes from a heart that is not bent in the right direction. It comes as a desire and an action that comes out of an unredeemed heart. Jesus many times would reveal the true nature of something by showing its wrong use by the religious leaders of the day. Now I want to stop and say that statement again because it's almost preposterous to our thinking to, th to think about what I just said. Jesus many times would reveal the true nature of something by showing its wrong use by the religious leaders of his day. So it's not about being religious that points us in the right direction. Testing, one, two, three, check, one, two, three. It's not about just showing up at church that points me in the right direction. Oh, I'm going to go right down in our business. Pastor's going to step on our toes today. It's not just about waving at everybody and pasting a smile on on Sunday morning and saying, hey, I'm here at church. I should get extra credit. No, that's not what it's all about. That is a heart that is bent in the wrong direction. And Jesus would point this out through the religious leaders of his day. Matthew chapter 15, then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples, let me get a little self-righteous attitude here, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, religious leaders of the day, you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me, I've already given it as a gift to God. I'm sorry I cannot help you, mom and dad. Then he not need honor his father or his mother. Thus, Jesus said, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your traditions. Watch as he pulls the arrow back and hits them with it full. Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth. And they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He said, it's not about you making up your own gospel. It's not about you coming up with your own idea about this or putting your little personal twist on the scripture. That's not what it's all about. That shows that your heart is far from me. So we recognize this morning... That the heart is the starting place for spiritual life. Because the Bible tells us that God's actions are always toward our heart. 
And so the question can be asked, what's the remedy, Pastor? Have you come just to tell us that our heart is evil and it's deceitful and it's wicked and we can't trust it? Is there any remedy for it? Absolutely. And so in order to get people to desire what he desires, the scripture says that God must remove the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Ezekiel prophesied it in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. He said, as the Lord speaks, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I cannot go forward with my heart being deceitful. I need that God of glory. Oh, I feel a preach in the house today. I need that God of glory to step in and not just touch me emotionally, but put a new spirit inside of me that transplants a new heart inside of me so I can walk in the right direction. Come on, church. We need a heart transplant today. We need a new spirit today. It's a heart issue. Everybody shout and say, it's a heart issue. You see, when I start preferring others rather than myself, it's a heart issue. When I see giving as not a drudgery but a privilege, it's a heart issue. When I worship, and worship is not just what I do, but it's who I am, that tells me it's a heart issue. When I live a life of forgiveness, it's a heart issue. When I realize that everything doesn't revolve around me, but I trust him to lead my life, it's a heart issue. There's something about a new heart. There's something about a new spirit. (laughs) Did you know God has a heart? Some of you are like, really? Yes. How do you know that, preacher? I don't, but the Bible tells me he does. By the way, wouldn't it be better if we decided to live like that? I don't know, but that book does. How am I supposed to raise my kids? I don't know, but that book does. How am I supposed to get rid of this guilt in my life? I really can't tell you one, two, three, A, B, C, formula. What I can direct you to is the God of this Bible who said, I'll take your stony heart out and I'll put a new spirit in you, and I'll put a new heart inside of you. God has a heart. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 13. Saul is being rejected by God. You see, the Philistines are gathered together to fight with Israel. and The Bible says they, the Philistine army, was as the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of Philistines. Meanwhile, the children of Israel, those who are being hunted by the enemy, are hiding. And I took note of where they were hiding. They were hiding in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and pits. Now that's a long way of saying anywhere they could find to hide, they were hiding. People who are left following Saul, the Bible says, are following him trembling. The Bible says this. 
I mean, how would you like to be a part of that army? Your fearless leader is leading you, and you look behind your leader, and everyone's... That does not evoke confidence. Also, Saul had ignored the proper procedure for battle, which was supposed to include the prophet priest Samuel coming and offering sacrifice to the Lord and inquiring of the Lord. And instead, in the midst of all of that fearfulness, in the midst of all of the hiding, in the midst of the enemy breathing down upon them, Saul got antsy. He's called for animals to be brought, and he sacrificed for the children of Israel. Let's kind of get this going. Obviously, Samuel's not showing up. It's been seven days. He said he'd be here in seven days. He must be running late. We can't really wait. The Philistines are breathing on us. I think I'll just sacrifice. He sacrifices animals. And in response, the scripture says, it's found in 1 Samuel 13 and 13. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself, watch this, a man after his own heart. God has a heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Oh, I want you to get this today. Obedience is a big deal. I wish, I wish God would give me the power and the voice to preach that so it would get down in the fiber of every person in this room today. Obeying God is a real big deal. Saul showed that a distrust in the word of God, assuming that the God who called him to be king would not keep him through the battle, cost him his kingdom. Saul showed that self-assertion and a lack of submission to God's process and his plan pointed to a faulty heart. And God said, I can't have that kind of heart leading Israel. I can't have that kind of heart leading my children. I'm going to find someone that is a man after my own heart. Paul was teaching in Pisidia, according to Acts chapter 13, and he's rehearsing all of this. And he's telling all of the hearers about this Saul. Afterward, they, Paul says, asked for a king. The children asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king. To whom also he gave a testimony and said, watch what he said. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart 
who will do all of my will. So whereas Saul chose to distrust God's word, and Saul chose to assert himself as primary, David, through his life, exemplified God's heart. And so the question has to be asked, what was the difference? Two men, both kings of Israel, both anointed and called by God, what was the difference? We see, first of all, in the life of David, that David kept what belonged to his father. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 34, David said to Saul, Your servant, in other words, me, used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. David kept and protected what belonged to his father. If you and I want to have a heart that is after God, we must learn that what we possess is not ours. It belongs to our Father. Can I tell everyone and remind other people, every good gift and every perfect gift that you and I have comes down from the Father above. We are not self-made. We are not people that just have it good. We are blessed by God with everything that we possess. He's the giver of every good thing. He's the author of my faith. He's the finisher of my faith. David kept what belonged to his father. It was precious to him. David also trusted the timing And the will of God. You talk about it's a heart issue. What kind of heart did he have? He trusted God's timing. This is a big deal. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 4. It happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Saying go and tell my servant David. Thus says the Lord. Would you build a house for me to dwell in? Now before I read any more verses. I want you to understand something. That was what David wanted more than anything else was to build a house for God. He knew what it was to hear stories of his forefathers that wandered nomadically through a wilderness and set up a crude-looking tabernacle in the wilderness. And he said, God deserves better than that. And he wanted to build a house for the Lord. He wanted to build a temple. And it's almost as though the Lord is teasing him through the prophet Nathan, saying, go and ask David, would you want to build a house for me? And watch what the Lord says after David replies. The Lord spoke through Nathan and said, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He. Everybody say that pronoun. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. The Lord said, I'm going to have a house, but you're not going to build it. But your boy's going to build it. I'm going to raise up someone from you. 
and he's going to build the house. Have you ever noticed in anything you've ever read about the temple, the glorious temple in Jerusalem, that it's not called the temple of David? No one says the glorious temple of David. It's Solomon's glorious temple. Do you know what is found if you look in the wake of that? A daddy who wanted to build that house. And a daddy who desired to build that house. But you also, if you look close enough, see a man whose heart trusted God. And said, if it's not me that builds you the house, I want the house built. It, it, that's what matters most. It's not about me being glorified. It's not about my agenda going forward. I just want to get you, God, in the place that you are worthy of. He trusted the timing of God. He trusted the plan of God. He was a man after God's heart. Let me ask a question. I asked this not for you to voice it out right now, but how do we respond when God answers us back and it is not what we were wanting him to say? It's not the timing that he wants or that we want. It's his timing. How do I respond to that? Do I get my feelings hurt and go off in the corner and sulk and suck my thumb and act like, well, if he ain't going to bless me, I'm going to boycott him. Grow up. Because God has a plan. God has a plan. God sees things from sitting on the circle of the earth. God knows things that I don't know. He has a timing that I don't have. He sees things that I cannot perceive. And so if my heart is right, I'm going to say, I don't understand it, God, but I'm going to trust you right now. I'm going to trust your timing right now. I'm going to trust. Come on, somebody. I feel God speaking right now. I'm going to trust that you see me, that you haven't forgot about me. I trust you, Lord. I may not understand completely, but I trust you, Lord. I choose to trust you today. It was this David, can I say it honestly, this disappointed David that in response to God's word said, Oh Lord God, you are God and your words are true and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now therefore let it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever before you. For you, oh Lord God, have spoken it and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. David trusted the plan of God. I don't understand why there's this pause. But I choose to trust the God who put a new heart inside of me. Whew. Let's take a moment and pray right now. I feel the presence of the Lord so powerful in this room right now. Come on, somebody help me call on the name of the Lord right now. It's a heart issue. Everything is a, it's a heart issue, brothers and sisters, friends, members, guests on Sunday morning. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue.
finally, David's heart was in the right place. Because when he messed up, he repented. He arose. And he worshipped. Can I just tell you something? I know in God's economy there's no sin that's greater than any other sin. Every sin misses the mark of the will of God. I get that. But David messed up big time. Guilty of adultery by taking Bathsheba, another man's wife. He was guilty of murder, sending Bathsheba's husband Uriah to the front line and having him killed. He was guilty of deception and cover-up. And yet, God never, the Bible says he will wink at ignorance once. But God is way too just to ignore sin. I'll say that one more time. He is way too just to ignore our sin, my sin. And so he sent Nathan the prophet to David. 2 Samuel 12 and 13, he said... David, let me say a little story. He told a little story about a traveler and a, a lamb and taking something that wasn't his and a little parable. And David actually gave his own death sentence. He said, that man needs to die for that. To which Nathan said, you're the man. You're guilty. You're wrong. 2 Samuel 12, 13. And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Because, folks, every sin is ultimately a sin against the Lord. It might be a sin against another person, too, but it's against the Lord and his way that he planned for our life. And David realized that. I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, The Lord... Also, has put away your sin. You shall not die. Now, he had to pay the consequence for sin. By the way, don't ever think that there aren't consequences for sin. That child died. He went through the anguish of that. But verse 20 says, And David arose from the ground. After the child died, he washed and he anointed himself. He changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. David had a heart after God because he refused to let failure define him. This pastor's not preaching, saying, go, let's go fail God. But rather, I am preaching to somebody here today that too long you've been wallowing in your failure. And the Lord would speak to us today and say, it's time to have a heart like David had and repent for wrong, which means to turn from wrong and walk away from wrong. Repent. Get up. And start worshiping. 
David was that kind of man after God's heart. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is enough. I want you to stand with me if you would, please. And I'm going to ask us not to move in and out right now unless it's absolutely critically necessary. Praise God. We started this sermon by closing our eyes, and I'd like us to do that again, and I want us just to focus on what has been preached today. And I feel like the Lord has given us his word. I've done my best as a preacher to preach what I felt the Lord speak for new life today. And now all of us will become accountable for what God is talking to us about. I want to have the right heart. I think there's probably some people in here that, if you're like me, we need to find a place and ask God to forgive us because we've held on to something, treated someone, talked to someone, acted in a way that was not like the Lord. But I'm thankful we can come and ask him to forgive us today, and he will. We can make it right with that person, too, if we must. Maybe there's others who you have never given your stony heart to the Lord. And you're here today, and you say, you know what? I want what you preach, preacher, that new spirit, that new heart. I want that in my life. I don't want to act and decide out of my old heart we got a place of prayer for that as well today. So would you pray with me right now? Would you just talk to the Lord about what is resonating in your spirit about what has been preached? And I wish you would just, just, just begin. You don't have to holler it out, but just begin to lift your voice to the Lord right now. Jesus, I'm hearing what you're saying right now. Praise God. That's it. Come on, that feels good, and we're not going to regret being honest before God right now. Being honest in the presence of the Lord right now. His spirit is working right now. His spirit's ministering right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, what you're speaking to me, I'm hearing it right now. I'm hearing it, Lord. I'm listening for your voice right now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Everyone, look right up here for just a second. I believe this is going to help somebody. So last night, I was in my office at the house, and I was working on the finishing part of this message. And sitting at my desk, you know, you, you, you interact with the scriptures, and there's something about this book when you interact it, it becomes like a mirror to you and you see your life in light of the perfection of scripture. 
So maybe this will help someone feel better about yourself. I'm looking at my life while I'm preparing this sermon. I'm thinking, ooh, and I'm convicted. And I prayed sitting at my desk last night, just a few hours ago. And here was my prayer. And I, I'm not, I don't want you to respond after I say this, but I want to tell you honestly what I prayed. Simple prayer, one statement. Lord, keep my heart right. And God answered to me in that office. And you know what he said to me? He said, Tim, that's not my job. That's your job. If you think that it's my job, God said, to keep your heart right, that dissolves all responsibility from you. And it's like the Lord took me back and preached the, the sermon to me before I ever preached it to y'all. Where Solomon said, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Hey, it's a heart issue. So what do we need to do today? Do you need to give your heart to God? Let's give it to him today. Do you need to keep your heart today? Let's keep it today. But would you join me in just responding to God's word right now? By simply all across this room, people that call this your church, guests that are here, I, please, let's respond today. Let's do something to show God we're hearing your voice right now. And I wish you'd signify that by just filling up the front of this place for prayer. Just come quickly. I take note that these Nexus students were the first ones to jump out of their seats today. Come on, students, I want to tell you something. God's hearing that cry you have in your heart today. Come on, you don't have to be a member here. You do not have to be a member to respond right now. What is God calling to us about our hearts? Give our heart to God. Keep our heart. He's calling. Without a doubt, he's calling today. Praise God. Oh, Lord, we feel your presence in this room right now. You are drawing people to you, God. Lord, this hour is too late for me to play around with my heart, Lord. God, this, this world, this system, this thing's wrapping up, oh, God. You're coming for your church very soon. And I want my heart right before you, Lord. I want to guard my heart. I want to keep my heart, God. I don't want my heart to deceive me. I need that spirit. I need that new spirit that you put in me to be the predominant influence of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's call out to the Lord right now. If it's been a while since you prayed, go ahead and pray. Woo. If it's been a while since you literally said, God, I give you my heart. Pray that out to the Lord right now. God, I give you my heart. I don't want that fleshly heart anymore, Lord. I don't want that stony heart. I want that wise heart, that, that hungry heart, Lord, that heart that is after you. Come on, it's from that heart that my decisions are going to be made. It's from that heart that my actions are going to come. Oh, God, take my heart out my stony heart. Give me that new heart today, Lord. Come on, saints of God, those of you that have been born again for a while, let's keep our heart. Let's guard our heart. 
Let's guard our heart against offense. Let's guard our heart against bitterness and something that would cause a break in our relationship with God. Hallelujah. We're guarding our heart today. It's a heart issue, Lord. It's what it's all about, oh God. Everything starts with our heart. Everything starts with my heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I speak your name over this congregation, Lord. I plead your blood over this congregation right now, Lord. I pray that you will not leave me alone until I deal with the heart issue, God. I pray you will not leave us alone until we deal with our heart issues, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, praise God, praise God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Would you just pray for someone that's near you? Would you pray a simple prayer? God, let them always deal right with their heart, Lord. Praise God. Come on, young people. Pray that for your friend right now. God, let this friend of mine never ignore what's needed in his heart. Praise God. Let my mother, my father, my siblings, my grandmother, let my wife, Lord, let my husband, let us not ignore, but rather let us give our heart to you, Lord. Come on, you can trust the timing of the Lord. You can get back up, you can rise up, and you can worship today. You can repent. We can come back to Him. Failure's not final today. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let the Holy Ghost minister to you right now. Let the Holy Ghost speak to us right now. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Ghost minister today, God. Let the Holy Spirit minister today, Lord. Oh, God, I give my heart to you. I yield my heart to you. I yield my will to you. I yield my emotions to you, Lord. I yield my actions that come from that heart to you, Lord. I want to trust your timing, God. I want to trust your direction, Lord. I want to trust your direction, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 